0: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah
1: and Bucky Brooks. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition here of Move the Sticks. Brett Lewis, our lead draft analyst, Daniel Jeremiah, former NFL scout, Bucky Brooks, uh, all here for you guys And a big day. Not only is this the two-week mark, two weeks from today, we are kicking this thing off live from Las Vegas. But later today on Path to the Draft, 6 p.m. Eastern time, guys, we're going to find out who's also going to be there in Las Vegas. The prospects that will be in attendance.
0: That sounds kind of cool.
1: So, yeah, I was going to ask if you wanted to, like, guess, but we'll, we'll have all that coming uh, up for you a bit later it's today. TBD here. Yeah. Meanwhile, let's kick off our big three here. Some of our big news items. Uh, and, look, Baker Mayfield, a big piece of the conversation now as uh, the former first overall pick of the Browns finally breaking his silence about the situation now there in Cleveland after the team traded for Deshaun Watson and Baker sharing his thoughts Wednesday on the YNK
0: podcast. I, I feel disrespected, 100%, mm. because I was
2: told one thing and they completed another. I'm just looking for stabilization right now, and, like, I know... What I need to do for right. me to be, to be the best version of me
0: right. and to
2: be able to lead an
0: organization. And like, I'm in a good place right now. Do you, do you have any idea where you're going to land? Oh, man. If this would have been about a week and a half ago, I would have said Indianapolis. Um, mm. Seattle. I mean, probably be the most likely option.
2: What did they
1: feed the dog? He's very comfortable. <laughs> He's out. Yeah, just out of there. Uh, I wish I could sleep like that. Okay, uh, so look, let's talk about this thing here. Uh, Bucky, obviously, uh, here with us from home. And, and DJ, I'm going to start with you. I think it's uh, – or rather, Bucky, let me start with you here because I think it's, it's kind of clear that we all understand the disrespect angle um, that Baker Mayfield feels. It's kind of in his DNA. Um, But as for what's next, he mentioned Seattle. Uh, Does that make sense? Or does it feel like the potential landing spots here, Bucky, are kind of drying up for for Baker?
2: Yeah, I think the dance cards are filling up, and they're filling up fast. And so for Baker Mayfield, it's a tough situation. He can speak about He can talk about uh, the Seattle Seahawks. And certainly that would appear to be in play because you have Drew Locke there. They are sitting with the number nine pick. Maybe they want a veteran quarterback. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks also have been kind of a refuge for – I want to say misfit kids, but they've handled personalities and been able to be successful with them. But the one thing about Baker Mayfield and his leadership style, he just needs to be very, very careful with how he presents himself doing this bit of adversity, how he carries himself, who he points to, who he throws under the bus and those things. They don't necessarily bode well for him in his next destination. Everyone understands that he plays with an edge, but what you would like to see from your franchise quarterback is that he's accountable. He takes ownership of his own mistakes and his own part of the undoing or shortcomings that the Browns had. So you can feel better about how he could lead in a new situation.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm on an island here, but I almost feel like Baker is getting a little bit of a bad rap. And he has played the disrespected card. He's done that his whole life. Go back to high school, the transfer situation. He's always played that card. Even when he was the first overall pick, (laughs) he's played that card. But I do think, in a sense, he is a little disrespected here, not by the Cleveland Browns, but by the National Football League. When you look at his year in 2020, last we saw him healthy – and you take that year and you compare it to who's starting for every other team in the league, I think that season is better than 12 of the current starters' best season. So to me, yes, he deserves one of these starting opportunities – but as you guys have kind of mentioned, these other teams are, are committed. They're in a committed relationship right now, so it's not easy yeah. to find that home. But I don't want to lose fact to the, uh, lose sight of the fact, this guy's got ability, man. He can play. Well,
1: let me ask you this. For comparison's sake, and look, it's kind of tough because of the timing. A lot of these jobs were already kind of accounted for by the time the Browns realized that they were getting to Sean Watson and moving on from Mayfield. DJ, let me ask you this, and then Bucky, I'd love to get your thoughts here. Like, Let's compare it to one of the other moves. Like, If the Washington Commanders had had their choice of Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz I think
0: I would take I would I know I would take Baker I I think Baker brings them a confidence that Carson I'm just kind of wondering if that's still there I mean that's 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 to be determined what about the Steelers and Trubisky yeah I would take but Baker May I think Baker Mayfield's best season is better than Trubisky's best season what do you think Bucky on some of those potential options
2: look look I think he's he's played really well but I don't know if anyone can replicate what he had at his disposal with the Cleveland Browns doing his best season He had two grade-A running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. He had two receivers in Jarvis Landry and OBJ. He had three tight ends uh, in in Joku and all of the guys, Austin Hooper, that they brought in. And an offensive line that was rebuilt that was the best. I don't know if anybody can offer him that. So even at his best, he had to have a lot of support. I don't know if he matches that somewhere else where he doesn't have a similar cast.
0: But the last thing I'll just add real quick, we saw Trevor Lawrence, incredibly talented, go number one overall, and they couldn't get first downs, much less win football games. He walked into Cleveland as number one overall pick. I think he was six and seven his first year as a starting quarterback. So it wasn't always sunshine and roses around him throughout his career.
1: No, and look, that's kind of been the case uh, for the guy we're talking about next year with Derek Carr in and, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Kind of underappreciated in that in that sense uh, somewhat, maybe a little bit more respect given to Carr for what he's done in guiding this Raiders franchise for the last few years. And he's going to get at least another three, signing that three-year $121.5 million extension with the Raiders. And after it was announced, came out and said, look, he told his agent, I'm either going to play for the Raiders or I'm going to go play golf. Well, as it turns out, he can now do both um, uh, p- pretty well, actually, as uh, that uh, now puts him right about in that just outside the top five or really right inside the top five mark in terms of highest paid quarterbacks, uh, you know, behind the guys like Allen, Mahomes, Watson, and Rogers, who are getting, you know, in the 43 to 50 million per year range. But that's still a healthy number for Derek Carr piloting this Raiders ship here. And, and DJ, this is the ultra-competitive AFC West uh, Carr said he knew where he stood with this staff, um, which maybe unlocks a little bit more of that confidence to lead this team. Uh, where do you feel like the expectations are now with Derek Carr?
0: This is a dream scenario for Derek Carr. He's He's got the commitment. You talk about the organizational commitment. Now you have the financial commitment. He's surrounded by talent. Look what they bring in with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. They are loaded with talent. But the expectations, I don't think they've really risen. I, I don't know that anybody anticipates they're going to win the division or is putting that pressure on them that they need to win this division. It's still the Kansas City Chiefs division. Yeah. The Chargers have loaded up, even though they beat the Chargers that last game to get in the playoffs last year. I think the Chargers enter this upcoming season with higher expectations. And now you've got Russell Wilson joining Denver. So it's a unique time to beat Derek Carr. I think it's, it's a perfect opportunity for him without a ton of pressure.
2: Yeah, look, it's a perfect opportunity on him. Now, I would say those within Raider Nation feel like Derek Carr has to take his game up a notch because the expectation is now that you've gone to the playoffs, you want to go from good to great. Josh McDaniels comes over. We've seen the work that he's been able to do with quarterbacks. So now he has his money. He has the weapons around him. The excuses are kind of off the table for Derek Carr. So now the expectation is that they not only perform at a playoff level, but they compete. They push the Kansas City Chiefs and the L.A. Chargers to win the division, and then they get into the postseason and they make noise. So on the outside, maybe there's no pressure, but I think internally, inside the nation, I believe they think Derek Carr needs to now live up to the compensation that he's been given.
1: So I think you could slot the Raiders in in this competitive division like Really, anywhere in spots one through four, and even if they finish fourth, like they might still win ten or eleven games and make the playoffs. Oh no! Doubt.
0: That's or, or or this division could kind of eat its own, and we might be in a situation where this true. is a nine or ten win division. Yeah when it's all said and done. Yeah,
1: uh, no question. All right, guys, let's get into a draft conversation here. This is kind of fun uh, because two weeks from today, as I mentioned, we are kicking off the draft live from Las Vegas. And in the meantime, I feel like uh, it might be a good time to connect some dots with some of these prospects that we're going to hear their names called early in this draft, using their prior relationships, connections, to project some fits in terms of comfortability on the NFL level. DJ, let's start with Matt Corral. Let's go back into the background and find some of this here.
0: Once upon a time, Pete Carroll worked for money kiffin and then pete carroll hired lane kiffin lane kiffin is the head coach at old miss lane kiffin coaches matt corral pete carroll's with the seattle seahawks you see you see what i'm doing this here? is six degrees of separation kevin bacon style we're here. connecting yeah. it all together here who's going to get better information on matt corral than pete carroll is and they could be in the quarterback market maybe it's not at nine maybe it's in the second round maybe they slide back from nine but it's easy to connect those dots bucky what do you think about corral to the seahawks there
2: Oh, I actually like that move, and I like Matt Corral going there. And I think if you're talking about back in the first round, top of the second round, I think it's a perfect fit. Remember, the Seattle Seahawks have two picks in the second round at 40 and 41. Maybe they move into the back end of the first round to take Matt Corral.
1: Let's get another connection here for you. Let's play Six Degrees of Separation, Bucky, with Traylon Burks from Arkansas, the wide receiver.
2: Oh, Mr. Woo-Pig Suey. Jerry Jones certainly has uh, belted that out a few times at some old Arkansas games, and so maybe he cast his eyes there and saw a big fella on the perimeter dominating on the outside. And maybe while he was watching Burks do his thing, he kind of reminisced about the 88 club and old Des Bryant, who used to wear 88 for the Cowboys. And he looks and he says, you know, I'm looking at our offensive lineup and there's a little hole there because Amari Cooper has been traded away. So maybe he goes back, to old Wu-Pig Sui-Land and takes Traylon Burst and drops him right into Maury Cooper's spot. He can't give him 88, but maybe gives him another little fancy number so he can be a cowboy.
0: I thought you were going to get extravagant there with the connections and talk about how I threw a pick six against Arkansas oh, when I was in Northeast man. Louisiana yeah. and try to wrap this thing all together. But I do like the Traylon Burks <laughs> fit there. Nice call, Buck.
1: Yeah, no question. Let's get to Kayvon Thibodeau, an interesting one here. We talked about his range this week on Path to the Draft. So. What about for the Lions? They're an interesting connection there.
0: Sometimes you like shopping at the same store. And you look at the Lions last year, they went and got Panay Sewell out of Oregon. After a little bit of a rocky start, really played well over the second half of the season. Well, Panay Sewell is going to have a great relationship with Kayvon Thibodeau as teammates. Two of the higher recruited guys on that Oregon squad. One is a pass rusher, one is a pass protector. I'm sure they've seen plenty of one another, not only on the field, but off the field. So if you needed a recommendation, you would not have to travel far if you are sitting there in that Detroit front office, just go ask Pene Sewell. There it is.
2: Well, you know, that works in front offices. You love to kind of ask a teammate about a former teammate that is still playing in college. When draft comes, Pene Sewell can certainly give Kayvon Thibodeau a glowing recommendation.
1: All right, another guy that could be in play there for the Lions at number two here, Bucky, George's Trayvon Walker. Make that connection for us.
2: Okay, so now the connection is not necessarily as clear, but let's just go back and dig into Trent Baalke's past. Years ago, Trent Baalke drafted Alden Smith. Alden Smith was coming off a year at Missouri, but wasn't his most productive, but what he had impressive traits, arm length, size, uh, athleticism. Well, now, lo and behold, Trent Baalke and the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick. He is looking at a guy when he's watching tape. He sees a Georgia guy just jumping around. Then he sees that same Georgia guy dominate the combine and Trayvon Walker. And so maybe he goes to his defensive coaches and asks them if they can maybe bring all of that talent and potential to the surface, because if they do, they may be getting a all-star at the position, Mm. which is why he could be connected to the Jaguars at number one, because he's done this rodeo uh, a time or two.
0: And every team tries to make a book on other teams and other general managers, kind of what is their philosophy, what is their style, what are their trends, and that can help you try and navigate the trade market, whether or not you need to get in front of them because they have a certain style. Like they knew there was a 95% chance that I was going to wear a quarter zip. A hundred percent. You just, yeah. you know, it. the book is out. The, <laughs> the, book, book, is the out. book is out. It's like no. left tackles
1: on edge rushers, right? You That's keep a book it. on those guys yep. and the moves that they've used against you in the past. There, there you go.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. Alright, the body shop is open for
1: business and the Tampa Bay Bucks and their little fan is rolling in here as we welcome you back to move the six. Rhett Lewis, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks uh, ready to go here to try to uh, improve some of these teams ahead of this next season. Let's talk about the Bucks. Guys, I got six draft picks here, starting with number 27 overall, DJ. Uh, what do you think the Bucs could do here to continue
0: to improve this team? I'm going to look at the safety position, and I'm going to go to Georgia. And I feel like we go to Georgia and shop for just about anything <laughs> we want defensively. But Lewis Seen has been a little bit lost in the discussion through this draft process. Ran in the four threes at the Combine. Super dynamic, super explosive. Kind of matches the way that they play there in Tampa. It would be a nice compliment to Antoine Winfield back there.
2: He would be a nice compliment. I I think, DJ, you're right in terms of shopping at Georgia, but let's go to the front line. And Jordan Davis is someone that I want to talk about because I believe it's a natural fit for him to slide in and replace Indomitian Sue. You think about being able to put Jordan Davis alongside Vita Vea. You have two big bodies that are athletic, being able to collapse not only the pocket, but destroy the running game. That is how Todd Bowles would love to play on defense. And if it's not Jordan Davis, how about Travis Jones from UConn? We saw him dominate a little bit down at the senior bowl. He's another guy that would fit the bill in terms of being a guy that can play alongside Vita Vea on the inside.
1: Yeah, we saw how valuable that interior pairing of Vita Vea and Dominican Sue had been stopping the run for the Tampa Bay Bucks in years past. But let's just say, let's play devil's advocate here. Another potential option, looking at what they lost in the offseason, both their starting guards. Ali Marpet retires, Alex Kappa moves on to the Cincinnati Bengals. They did, they did steal Shaq, Shaq Mason. Mason. They did.
0: No, they didn't bring him in. They, they stole, stole him yeah, as Mason. a starting
1: guard. Now they got they got Stinny, who started in the in the Super Bowl for him yeah. a couple of years ago. But what is Zion Johnson's there uh, at 27 uh, as a potential replacement for one of those starting spots there for the Tampa Bay Bucks? Uh, just something else to consider there for Tampa Bay. Let's move to the New Orleans Saints here, made one of the uh, big trades for draft capital in the first round, acquiring the 16th and 19th picks from the Eagles uh, in exchange for a whole boatload of other picks and, and future considerations. Guys, they have three in the top 50 here, starting with number 16. Then they're back on the clock at number 19. Bucky, what do the Saints need to do here in the body shop?
2: Oh, more playmakers. Let's have fun because Sean Payton isn't there. It's a chance for Pete Carmichael to show and prove that he's an outstanding play caller. And the only way you can do that is having more weapons. Chris Olave being able to team up with Michael Thomas on the outside. I'd like that one-two punch on the perimeter. Olave is a touchdown waiting to happen broke the school record for touchdowns at Ohio State. When you watch the tape, you're guaranteed to see him cross through the painted end zone at least once throughout the viewing session because this is what he does. He's a big play waiting to happen. I want to put him alongside Michael Thomas so Jameis Winston can throw the ball down the field early and often.
0: Yeah, speaking about GMs and teams having a track record, they love Ohio State players there with the Saints. So they go back and shopping for Olave. How about if you paired up Olave with Trevor Penning, a big tackle, who I think this is about where he comes off the board here. I think you got an opportunity to see him plug in. You have a need here at the left tackle position. He's got a chance to slide right in and play. He's not going to be the same talent that you had at that position, but he is going to be somebody that I think is going to continue to grow and get better and is going to be a running back's best friend with how nasty he is. On the ground game, I would add. By the way, Rhett, we've got to get you in this animation for the body shop. I keep waiting for you to slide out underneath the car.
1: Uh, we got to get you in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think they know better. I don't, my place is not uh, not underneath the hood of a car, trying to figure something out there. And that that just doesn't fit, um, you know, my profile. However, um, I am kind of curious here in this draft profile for the Saints. You know, if if they are truly done. Uh, here, after making that move to 16 and 19, we talked about it a lot. When they made that, that that trade with the Eagles, was this in an effort to kind of make another incremental move up the board? I wonder, that that's still a curiosity of mine. You think that's still in play, guys,
0: a, a trade up? I, I don't. I, I think they think like they can go out and win games with Jameis Winston, and they're just yeah. a couple key pieces away, and they feel like they had 20 players they loved, and they're guaranteed to get two of them. There you go. There you go. That's, that's certainly yeah, one way.
2: Yeah, I'm with DJ on that.
1: Yep. All right. So we're killing the trade conversation. Fine. Yeah, done. Let's uh, talk about some players who had the misfortune of getting injured late in their college career or during this draft process or, you know, at some points where it affected their production. Jameson Williams has kind of been uh, the poster child of that crew here with this draft class, having torn his ACL in the national title game for Alabama. Still, it. it Supremely talented prospect here, but how does the injury and the subsequent rec- recovery affect where he could go?
0: Well, I think when it's close, the tie goes to the healthier player. So when you look at this group of wideouts, I think you could say, okay, maybe, you know, with Drake London or, or maybe Garrett Wilson, they would be ahead of, of him, even if he was healthy. But man, after that, you start looking at the value that he presents and knowing he is going to return to full health. This is not some catastrophic injury right. that he suffered, it's pretty standard. So to me, I think initially maybe some shock, you're like, oh, he's going to go bottom one. I think now at this point in time, I would expect him to go closer to 10 than I would for him to go 20, 25.
2: Yeah, he's a talented player, and he's different than some of the other guys that you watch on tape. When this guy puts his foot in the ground, the zero to 60 acceleration puts him in a different category. And so, yes, you're worried about the injury and the recovery, but he is too talented to let slip too far He's a first-round talent. Is he the first one to come off the board? Uh, I don't know because the injuries are part of it, but he deserves to be in the first round conversation for sure.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, I mean, you just think about—I think about where he came from at Ohio State and the other two Ohio State teammates there that are also going to go in the first round. And the one next year. Yes, uh, <laughs> probably the one after that. Uh, we'll continue to talk about it. Derek Stingley is an interesting one here, Bucky, the cornerback who we've talked about in—you know—following that national championship run for LSU in 2019. If he could have gone in the 2020 draft. He'd have been a first-rounder then. It felt like he was that good. Since then, though, injuries production have fallen off here a little bit. Um, Where do you rate Derek Stingley in terms of wild cards in this draft?
2: He's a big wild card because – when you go and you watch the film from his freshman year, you're talking about an all-pro player that you're talking about. He comes out there, he's probably the first corner take, and he has size, he has athleticism, he has all the tools to be a great player. The thing that you're trying to figure out is which Derek Stingley is going to show up when you get him to camp and you get into the regular season, because the last two, two, the last two years have not been great. Inconsistencies and injuries have plagued his play. That said, when you watch him at his pro day and you go back and watch that freshman take, it's going to be hard for me to think that he's going to drop too far. He's just too talented, and that talent is a temptation that I don't think many can resist.
0: Yeah, I look at the boxes, right? So if you've got the talent box, check. check, No yeah. worries whatsoever. Then you had the health box, which before the pro day was a little unknown. You didn't know how he's going to come back from that foot injury. Well, he goes to the pro day, puts on a really good show, so I can check that box. The last box for him to check is the fact that he was simply disinterested at times, yeah. the UCLA game being the greatest example of that. That one's not going to get checked before the combine, and so that is going to decide how high you have him up your board. Some teams are going to feel comfortable that 2019 version's coming back, and they're going to push him way up. Other teams are going to exercise a little more caution. Right, because if we're talking about that 2019 player – like he he top go, five pick. Yeah, and might be, you
1: know, for, would be the first corner off the board, even yeah. with Sauce Gardner in this draft, which I think is is kind of interesting mm. to kind of play that game. Uh, and then let's talk about David Ajabo here from Michigan. Uh, you know, just really unfortunate. Obviously, at his pro day, suffers the ruptured Achilles tendon. Hate to see that happen, but it's happened before. We saw it with Sidney Jones. It was a highly rated corner a couple of years ago out of Washington. Ended up dropping him down a little bit. DJ, what does this do for David Ajabo, who we all felt like, you know, was a first-round pick, and maybe top 15 as an ed rusher in this class.
0: Well, Sidney Jones would not be the example I would use if I was the yeah. agent because we never saw that same version of Sidney yeah. Jones. He's, he's played in the NFL, he's been an okay player, but he was a much on a much different level when he was healthy. I would be pointing to Cam Akers and saying, Did you yeah. watch Did you watch him in the playoffs yeah. last year? Yeah. Same injury. Yep. He came back. No, he came back. He looked explosive in no time. So that's the name you're gonna be using if you're a David Ojabo in the David Ojabo camp. But to me, he's not great against the run. Um, He's still learning, still growing, and hasn't played football that much. So you add those two things plus injury, I think he goes in the second round.
2: Yeah, I think second round is the right spot for him, not only because, DJ, you talked about the injury, but, yeah, it was more of a projection. It's easier to make that projection when you see him all the time. You're able to see him through workouts. He's healthy. But now you have the injury. I think you scrutinize him a little more, and because of that, he lands in the top fifty as opposed to being a guy that we thought might be a top twenty selection.
1: Right, and, and just for the record, I was kind of bringing up Sidney Jones just as a comparison because it happened at his pro day as well. Yeah, right. Not necessarily as a as a cautionary yeah, tale for recovery. There you go. You
0: don't uh, even explain yourself, Rhett. No, just, just no matter which show that's you're it. hosting. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter.
1: Move the Sticks Body Shop is back open. We put that garage door up, and we brought the Atlanta Falcons uh, into the shop here, guys. And they are one of the big power players on the first three rounds of the draft. They got five picks in the first 82 selections. Nobody talks about it. I know. Starting with number I guess that's eight our overall. Fault. We have like yeah, nine draft you know, Nobody. I can't wait a second. believe anybody on that. So let's talk Falcons here. And as we look at this team, obviously quarterback is a big part of this whole thing with parting ways with Matt Ryan, sending him off to Indianapolis, signing, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota to come in here. But what do they do,
0: DJ, at number eight? Is that a quarterback spot? I think it's potential quarterback spot. Actually, like Kenny Pickett is a fit there if they were to trade back. But if they're going to stick and pick, I'm going to go to their wide receiver need. That's pretty glaring. I'm going to go Drake London. Uh, to plug him in, and let's let's assume Garrett Wilson would be off the board in this scenario. You take Drake London. You can play what I like to call tall ball. You get out there with with pits, and now you have Drake London. You can just pick balls off the head of defenders uh, any matchup you like out there.
2: Yeah, look, that's fun because if Drake London is there, you can play big boy ball on the perimeter. But let's say your aforementioned guy is there, and that would be Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, to me, is a very natural replacement to Calvin really outstanding route runner, great hands, does a good job in traffic, making things happen when he gets the ball in his hands. But let's just say that they don't want to go and have fantasy football uh, draft analysis. Let's go with a big guy off the edge like a Kayvon Thibodeau to really help this football team get better and close the gap on the com- competition. Thibodeau gives them a speed rusher off the edge, something where they haven't been able to generate enough pressure of late. Thibodeau, first-step quickness, bursts, long-arm moves, he has a chance to be a really really good player you put him on that turf it should also help him
1: yeah that's an interesting one there especially if he is available you know at eight which would mean you know the, the the first couple of guys are Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson and maybe even Jermaine Johnson ends up going ahead which would which would be an interesting uh kind of development once we get to night one of the draft all right guys with that then let's move into the Carolina Panthers garage here another interesting can we just
0: see a wheel right out underneath I, that car
1: I mean, I could definitely put a little top off, top off your windshield wiper fluid for <laughs> yeah, sure uh, with that one. All right, let's check this out. Six draft picks in, in this draft, starting with number six overall, which is uh, definitely one of the interesting ones here. Bucky, where do you think the Panthers end up here as we try to get them back on track?
2: The quarterback has to be in the discussion, so Kenny Pickett would be in play there for the Panthers. Scott Fitter and Matt Rule have talked about the need to find a quarterback. They've talked about drafting a quarterback high. When you look at Kenny Pickett, He's one of the rare guys that are that's in this class with a ton of experience. That experience has led to expertise in terms of running an offense. May not have a plus arm talent, but in terms of painting the corners, he does that very accurate throw with some athleticism. He'd be a nice pick there. If not the quarterback, then it has to be the offensive line, and I'm thinking Iki Aquana would be a nice fit considering he's from down that way.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the tackle position, and I'm looking at the scenarios of how this could fall. I think Evan Neal's got a real shot to be there. I think early on in the process, we thought maybe both those top tackles, Iki Aquano would be gone, Evan Neal would be gone. I think if he is there, it'd be hard to pass up. It's a glaring need. Yeah. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I think they would be a team, if you could trade back a little bit and, and maybe get a quarterback plus something else, I would put them in that, in that uh, discussion as well. But, man, if you're sitting there and Evan Neal's there, huge need, good player, makes sense. Here's a scenario for you. What if the top three edge rushers go one, two, three?
1: You think we could see tackles go four, five, six?
0: It's -hmm. conceivable. Yeah, I mean, look at the needs. All three of those teams have a tackle need. Absolutely.
1: And then, Bucky, what do you think if Carolina decides that quarterback's not what they want to do at six? Could you see a move down the board here to maybe get some more value out of the pick and go quarterback later?
2: Well, no, they, they, they certainly can do that. But, man, they have such a glaring need, not only at quarterback, but at tackle that it would be hard for me if I'm Matt Rule to bypass my pick of the litter at tackle to kind of get cute and gain a couple more picks. I think they need to sit and pick. And is he's the quarterback of the offensive tackle, I would lean towards the offensive tackle because that gives them an immediate Joke for that offense.
1: And then look, the trade down scenario also comes into play when you consider that, yeah, they're on the board at six, they're on the clock at six, but then we don't see them again. Fourth round. Until the fourth round. So if you want to accumulate a little extra capital there, maybe get yourself into day two, second or third rounder by moving down a few spots. Could be interesting, and, and you know maybe you get you know maybe you get the fourth tackle instead of the third tackle, or the third tackle instead of the second. Just just food for thought here as we look at some players that maybe we get on day three, and I, I think those are always interesting here um, in the sticks. Some deep sleepers. What do you think, DJ?
0: I'm gonna go deep deep sleeper here. I'm gonna go Will Allen, a corner from Columbia. If the name sounds familiar, it's because his dad Will Allen played for a dozen years in the NFL with the Giants, the Dolphins. And the Patriots. He's an undersized nickel corner, but really is going to make his mark as a returner. He's an outstanding returner. He's got production. First tape I watched was Georgetown. He pops a long one. What is it with the cornerbacks and the bloodlines? I mean, it's like I know. It, Last year we had him. This yeah. year we got it too.
1: Derek Stingley's got some uh, NFL, you know, bloodlines there with his grandfather. So, uh, all right, Bucky, let's get uh, another player. We got Bucky's buzz, right? Is that what we're doing here? Okay, let's let's. What do you got
2: for us? Yeah, Bucks? that's what we. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So let's go down to Tallahassee, Florida. We're going to go to Florida AM. and Marquise Bell is getting a little buzz. Safety, 6'2", 212 pounds. Had a really impressive performance at the combine where he ran four five five. Had a 30-cent vertical 10-3 broad jump. But then when you turn on the tape, there's some things that you like. He has thump and swipe, meaning he can hit you like a big guy, can drop down in the box, swipe. He has six career interceptions, five of those his first year down at Florida a so there's a lot of conversation about the HBCUs producing an NFL draft pick. I think Marquis bill, we'll hear his name call. we hear his name call somewhere on day three.
0: I also played terrible against FAMU in a, yeah, in a playoff Yeah, of course you game, did. So just yeah, thought i throw that, that, that out That's what bringing up here. That, that's what we're
1: doing. Uh, okay, so I, I guess we've, we've got uh, Bucky's buzz. We've got in the sticks. Oh, my gosh. What do we Rhett's got? reach. Rhett's I reach? I, see, that, I feel like that's a little that's disrespectful. a little bit of so a slap there. Yeah, It is. It is. This is not a player that I would disrespect in the least. Uh, Talking about Navy's Diego Fago, we saw him at the Shrine Bowl. And, look, really interesting player. He's a great dude to talk to and, look, I mean, understands the discipline uh, that it takes to succeed uh, as a high-level player here in the NFL, um, having come from Annapolis. And, look, he told me straight up, he's like, look, they don't make they don't make football players. And maybe they make officers. Um, so the fact that he was able to kind of emerge as you know one of the best players uh, for the midshipmen, I think, is really cool. And he actually uh, Bucky, you might remember, had the biggest hit of the East West Shrine Bowl. It was one that yes, he uh, we heard all the way up in the booth there at Allegiance.
0: One of the few times I would say Rhett's right on that one. Now there we, we go. Come. Now we're
1: <laughs> hey, here's a comp for you, Bucky. You just spent some time with Jeff Munkin, um at Army, right? How about a guy that you see in yes. LA with the Chargers, Cole Christensen, there linebacker that came from Army? Kind of feels like he's got a little bit of that Diego Fago uh, just coming from the service academies. Love to give those guys some love. Absolutely, it's
0: it's nicely done. It. You, you got to get a better name. It, yeah, before. absolutely. By the way, Buck coming next week. Bucky's <laughs> big backs. That's uh, that's Uh-oh. next week's show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we
1: were just talking about Brian Robinson, talking about San Haskins all out there. All, day. all right, let's all do it. out there. I love it. It's all so the fun. big guys. Uh, all right, so what do we got coming up oh, here? We got move. we've got, no, this is move the six. We got Path of the Drafts coming up, <laughs> six p.m. Eastern time. Let's go. We're gonna get you the draft prospects that are gonna be in attendance at the draft this year in Las Vegas. It's all coming up for you. We'll see you at six.
0: I'm Colleen Wolf. He's- <laughs>